another great episode of Thick Like Glue Radio. I'm your host, Jim Farmer, the Dream Business Coach. This is the podcast to learn how to create your dream business so you too can live your dream lifestyle. I'm the founder and creator of the Dream Business Academy and the Dream Business Coaching and Mastermind Program, and I coach entrepreneurs and small business owners at all levels how to build a business of their dreams. Today's episode is brought to you by... Dream Business Academy. It's a three-day live event. Next one, our seventh, is taking place in Providence, Rhode Island, September 27th, 28th, and 29th, 2017, this year. This is a marketing and business building event where you'll learn how to build a million-dollar platform, exactly how I've grown my multiple businesses. Learn more at Dream Biz Academy, dreambizacademy.com. By the way, we have early registration discounts right now. And you can get $100 off your ticket using the coupon code PODCAST. So go to dreambizacademy.com, use the coupon code PODCAST, and get $100 off your early registration discount. Really excited about this week's show. My special guest is entrepreneur and co-founder of Scoop Industries, Brittany Betcher. Let me briefly introduce her, and we'll bring her right on. She is the co-founder of Scoop Industries, a company focused on growing your service business with simple strategies for sustainable success. Brittany spent the last decade working behind the scenes in businesses from seven-figure online businesses to Fortune 500 companies. She truly knows what it takes to be successful in the service space. Brittany grew her business from zero to over $200,000 in less than two years, all from services, and now she works with other service business owners to help them do the same. Brittany, welcome to the show. Thanks for being on. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here. It just occurred to me before um, before we went live, I forgot to ask, did I pronounce your last name correctly? Almost. That's a K, but you were very close. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Brit- okay, so Br- Brittany Becker. Okay, I got that. Um, yeah, so now I'm not picking. You know, I get it all the time, so... <laughs> Yeah, oh, I got Brittany correct, so <laughs> there we go. Um, so tell me about your entrepreneurial journey. I'm always curious if uh, were your parents entrepreneurial or where did you get that uh, that entrepreneurial gene from? My parents are the opposite of entrepreneurial, and they would agree with you in, in saying, when I say that. I'm not 100% sure where that came from, but I did always have this little – dream as a a young kid of having my own business. And when I was a kid that kind of, you know, manifested itself in, oh, it'd be cool to have a restaurant or it'd be cool to have a store. And that was just kind of, you know, what I was thinking in my head. And, you know, down the road, it kind of came that way. The reason that really started appealing to me was probably in my early to mid 20s when I, I was working you know, a quote-unquote good job uh, in the corporate world, and I certainly didn't hate my job, but I was already starting to ask myself questions like, is this really what I'm going to be doing for the next, you know, 40-some-odd years um, until I retire? And I really wanted a little more flexibility and a little more freedom, and I wanted to be doing things that were um, lighting me up. Um, I was working in big organizations, and then progressively throughout my 20s, I worked with smaller organizations every time I moved jobs to the point where I was, you know, on a team um, of a company that was about 10 people. And I realized, wow, I really like the smaller companies way more than the bigger ones, which is the opposite of what I thought when I was, you know, going through school and college and all that. So when, so you started your business when, how long ago? 
full time. It was about oh gosh, about three three or four years ago. Mhm. Very cool. Yeah. And w- did you gravitate toward the online side of things, or do you also help companies with uh, offline marketing? Well, we work. So I was definitely drawn to the online part of a business because, you know, I really did want flexibility and I'm just a very technical, technically minded person. And I was, you know, do a lot with computers anyways. And even when I was working in the corporate world, I worked remotely a lot. So I kind of already had a taste of that bug and I knew I wanted to stay online. That said, we, you know, since having started the business, my husband and I have sort of settled back into my small town roots and, I'm finding, you know, a whole new level of joy working with local companies that are doing a little bit different marketing, but digital marketing or, or having an online presence is still really important just because of the nature of, you know, where society is today. So uh, we do a mix of, you know, if the businesses are primarily focused online or in person, and um, but we do really focus mostly on the digital marketing aspect of the marketing. So you doubled your your revenues in like two years. That's that's very impressive. Um, was it? How did you do that? Was that a lot of shoe leather and networking and things like that, or was that using some of the things that you actually do for your clients? Well, it was honestly just nose to the grindstone. I I guess I'm you know blessed and cursed with a strong level of focus, and I don't necessarily on a personal level gravitate to a lot of social media and and I just, it just drains me and I just ignored it. And I really focused on doing really good work for the clients that I was working with. And then, you know, I would ask for referrals. Um, And that's how really that business grew a lot with referrals. I did do some networking because the type of work I was doing for my clients uh, was quite specialized. And so being able to be where, my clients were at certain conferences or networking events really proved to be uh, successful. I think in that first couple of years, almost every event that I went to, I made sure that I, it wasn't about trying to talk to every single person at the event, but talking to a few people and almost every one of those netted out in a client engagement or project of some type. Yeah. I think the thing for service-based business owners is just like everybody, when you start your small business, you're doing um, you're doing what it is that you you offer, and then you start growing, you start taking on help. But, you know, a lot of people, they they have a hard time not doing, you know, the deliverable of the company. So I was wondering, is that, do you do you work with people on that level also? Uh, are you more just marketing, giving them more and more business, or do you, do you help them, you know, grow a, a business where they can have a little more uh, time off? Absolutely, yeah. So we definitely work with clients and helping them, okay, after they've got the viability of the company, how do you stop being the only person either doing all of the things or how do you leverage your services in a way that you have a bit more sustainability long term? Yeah. So how do you how do you get to booked out status? Um you know, I think everybody would like to, well, first of all, not many, many people would be maxed out to the point where they have no life, even if they have good income. Right. But how do you, yeah, how do you get, how do you, how do you work with service-based businesses? And I guess I'd love to ask a, pre, a pre-qualified question. What kind of service-based business are you talking about? Like plumbing, heating, electrician, or roof repair? Like what exactly are you talking about? 
what's really funny is we actually have all of those clients that you just mentioned, but we yeah. also, okay. we, I would say <laughs> we do actually. Um, uh, but I would say that's not our, our sweetest spot in terms of where the majority of our clients tend to fall into. Um, a lot of our clients fall into when we're working with them on their actual service business, fall into more of, I would say like a professional service. So, um, a copywriter, a lawyer, um, a um, yoga teacher, a stylist, a graphic designer, a web developer, people that are doing a service, um, sometimes online, sometimes not, but they're using part of a digital marketing space to help them um, achieve that um, booked out status. So that, that's part of their business from the marketing standpoint. What are some of the struggles that you found working with your clients, Brittany, um, as far as content marketing and things like that? Do they not understand the frequency or the type of content, or what, what's the education piece that you you work with most with with your clients? You know, it's so with our content marketing um, for our service-based business owners. A lot of times, we find that they think they need more than they actually do need. Uh, there's a lot of buzz out there, you know, you need to be blogging constantly or you need to be creating content constantly. And for a good majority of businesses, that is true, especially if you're trying to, you know, optimize your organic search and, and be found and provide value and all of that. Uh, for a lot of people that are starting out with a service-based business, they are actually spinning their wheels a bit on the content side of things. So they might have this great you know, editorial calendar mapped out or, you know, they, they come up with topics and ideas they want to blog about, but then, you know, they're realizing that in those first, let's call it six months to a year to two years, it's really about, okay, how do I get, how do I find my clients and get them? Um, you know, if I'm just writing into, you know, the, the ethers out there, there's, that's not really going to help me build my business. And so we actually, we actually say that you need to focus on finding those clients first before spending a ton of time on additional content marketing, especially if it's just you or you and one other person or you and an assistant, because creating that content takes a lot of time. It's very important. Don't get it. Don't get me wrong, but it's not the very first thing that you should focus on in your business. How often do you think people ought to be um, blogging and, and stuff like that? What's I'd like I'd like to hear your views on content marketing because it goes all over the place. Oh, once a week or three times, five times videos what are your thoughts on content marketing oh yeah this is there you know there are so many different viewpoints on this and i will say an answer that is probably not as <laughs> much of an answer answer but it definitely depends on the type of business that you're running as well as you know what your what your ultimate goal is at you know the current you know quarter or you know phase of business that you're in at that time um if you are truly a, you know, wanting to be a solopreneur um, kind of service-based business, let's say a web developer, for instance, or a graphic designer or a web designer, you're, you know, really focused on putting good content out there, working with clients, either in a retainer model or a project-based model. Maybe you have, you know, uh, a couple of products on your site that they might be able to download, like courses or something like that. But you are not really looking to grow to have, like, you know, a huge team or anything like that. Um I think, like, the minimum, I think, is a month, uh, once a month. Um, I think that shows that you are relevant 
um, that you are still in business. There's so many, you know, websites out there where you get to them and you see their blog and, you know, the last time they updated was a year and a half ago and you think, okay, wait, is this person still in business? Like, are they still doing what they do? So I do think a month, like once a month is a good baseline to go, like your minimum viable. I think just from the better chances of being found and if you're really using your content, uh, if you're optimizing your content so that you are using keywords and things like that to help with SEO, then once a week is a lot better. Um, you know, we rarely ever have clients doing more than twice a week. I said we have a couple people doing twice a week, but that's because they have usually like a podcast or a video show or something like that that tends to lend itself to another piece of content. And that's the other thing I like to, that we like to tell people is that when you create something, whether it's a podcast or even a blog post or a video or something, you can repurpose that in so many ways. Um, a lot of times the content that you create does not need to be, you know, earth shatteringly new all the time. People need repetition and people aren't reading every single word that you're putting out there, even if they're a diehard fan of yours. So you said earlier you, you've been blessed. It's a blessing or a curse that you, you have great focus. And I, I admire that. I mean, that's really what takes a lot of people off track shiny object syndrome, stuff like that. So how do you manage your time? Do you have any tips for people on how to how to best manage their time? Yeah, so I think this boils down to a few different things. So firstly, I'm a huge plan or a huge plan, a huge fan of the quarterly <laughs> or 90-day or 12-week type of planning where, you know, you're really super focused or hyper focused on a, you know, 90-day window. I love that because I can see, you know, I can imagine the end of that 90 days, the end of that quarter, and it's it's tangible enough that I can say, okay, in this month I'm going to do this, and this month I'm going to do this, and in this month I'm going to do this. I think for me where my, where the focus really comes through and where I think if you can nail this, you really kind of start to get a little bit of a grasp on the time management thing is the weekly and the daily planning. So every week, and this has taken time for sure, but every week I, um, you know, I plan out my week ahead of time as best as I can. And I really, you know, I do a few things to help there. I limit my calls to certain days of the week because there is nothing worse to me than having one call at 2.30 in the afternoon because my morning is kind of shot because I'm, you know, thinking about the call or, you know, trying to prepare for the call and it's taking up more, you know, disproportionate amount of energy for the actual call that it is. Um, and, you know, if I can put all my calls on a couple of days during the week, I kind of batch them. I know that I am not going to get a whole lot of anything else done. And if I do get a few other things done, great. That's a bonus, you know, cherry on top of the Sunday. And then I use, I personally use right now about a day and a half, and that's split up between three half days throughout the week that are focused specifically on the internal aspects of our business. So not working on client work. And then the rest of those days are dedicated to client work. Um, and that's that's really – that's the way that helps me with my week. And then as far as my days, I am, a, I am not in my inbox often at all. I stay out of there. I keep all of our client work inside of our project management system, Basecamp, which I adore. Um, and staying out of the inbox really helps me stay focused because it's just a distraction. Same thing with Facebook. Um, and really giving yourself those padding times. So we, I like to call them buffer times or buffer blocks. I'm putting one at the beginning of my day for about a half hour, uh, one in about 
the middle of the day, either before or after lunch, and then one sort of towards the end of the day where all of those little tasks that tend to get us off track or take us down a spiral and into a whole other thing, um, getting those kind of accomplished in, in, that, in those times, whether you're checking your email or checking it on your, you know, your project management system, make sure everything's okay, and then getting back into the project or the task at hand after that. Uh, it does take a little bit of practice, for sure, but that has been, that's what really helps keep me on track. Cool. What are some of the ways that uh, service-based businesses can find new clients? Sure. So we love, so for as much as we do the online marketing things, we love what we call old school marketing. And that's kind of getting out from, quote unquote, behind your computer, whether it's going to some local uh, events in your area or going to a few conferences or, you know, events where you know your ideal client is hanging out. And that's the key part. Make sure your ideal client is there and not other people just like you. Um, that can be really beneficial. Uh, getting going into appropriate Facebook groups and having a strategy around that, not uh, just, you know, blasting and spamming and all of that. Uh, same thing with LinkedIn groups, depending on your industry, those can be quite effective. Um, if you have, if you're in a more professional slash corporate industry, you're going more um, into that corporate client mode. Um, and then really working your network, and I mean, this is all about working your network, but asking for those referrals or those introductions from people that you've worked with in the past. And if you're just getting started and you don't have any people that you've worked with in the past, don't underestimate just the introduction sort of email to your personal network or even your past professional network if it's if it's relevant or applicable. Uh, letting people know what you do. I think a lot of times we think, oh, well, I once posted on Instagram that I'm going to start my own business and I started it and I put my website out there and you know, Aunt Sue doesn't remember that that's what I do. And, you know, it's it's one of those things we're all more self-involved. Uh, everyone's as self-involved as, you know, every other person. So um, you're not necessarily, they're not necessarily going to know that. So you've got to remind them or let them know. Uh, those three or four things right there are some of the fastest ways to get clients and get, you know, get to making some cash in your business. Um, they're not these, you know, quote unquote, super sexy, you know, online business funnel and Facebook ads and all of that. And those can work, but they take a lot more work up front to get them to where you want them to be. Whereas if you can reach out to some old school networks and work your network that you do have, uh, you can get some really, really great results. And in fact, those are the things that I did, uh, growing my business in the first, um, first couple of years for sure. Cool. Hey, what are, just that you don't have to name any clients for sure, but what are some yeah. of the things you wish your clients knew about business and growing a business? Oh man, um, <laughs> I think I think the one that gets really um, that tends to be really noisy right now is just this idea of overnight success or going from like zero to a million in you know ten weeks or something like that. And I just think that you know if people could just realize that that's not really the norm for a lot of businesses out there, um, that I think would just help a lot more people at ease. The other thing that comes up a lot when we either get together with our, uh, we have our mastermind people in person or when we have, you know, online calls with them is that this idea that you're not really missing anything because I think so often we are in the trenches of running our businesses and we you know, we're bringing in money, you know, we're paying the bills and things are going, you know, they're not maybe 
super, super great and they're not super, super bad. They're just kind of in that murky middle. And we kind of think like, man, like, what am I missing? Like, why am I not at that next, you know, level or whatever that might be? Like, am I missing something? And I think oftentimes we're really not. It's just that, you know, building a business, um, it takes it takes time, especially a sustainable business, not one that's a flash in the pan, you know, sort of one hit wonder, you know, make all the money we can and then peace out, you know, for most of our clients and for a lot of the people that we work with, these are, you know, passions that they have that they are, you know, planning to do for the next you know, 10, 20, 30, 40 years. And sustainability takes time and it's not, you're not missing anything. Who are some of your mentors? Just curious when you were starting out. Oh, when I was starting out, some of my mentors, that's a great question. So I admittedly am not a good, um, I never, I would say not like idolize people. I don't, <laughs> never really looked up to celebrities or anything like that. So, um, you know, I think a lot of the mentors I had were people that were sort of in more of my immediate um, circles than, you know, people that are sort of, you know, thought leaders or gurus like in the, the broader space. There were people that were like two or three steps ahead of where I was. But, and I think for me, the reason why those tended to be my mentors. So even some of my, you know, former uh, colleagues that I had in my professional network, um, folks that I used to work with at, you know, other companies, but I can see two or three steps. If there's two or three steps ahead of me, there was some level of that that I can say, okay, you know what? I am so nowhere near that right now, but I can see how I can get there. Whereas, at least for me, if I see someone just so far ahead of me, you know, I I just can't fathom it, and it almost it, it almost is a produces a negative opposite effect in that regard. If that makes sense. Mm. Yeah. So, what's the best piece of advice you've ever given somebody? Oh gosh. <laughs> um, I put down the spot this morning. <laughs> the best piece of advice I've ever given somebody. Um. Well, it's actually, who's trying to, I would just say. This is going to help you out. I say, how about what's the best piece of advice that you've given one of your clients that's worked incredibly well? Yeah, it is to basically go on an idea hiatus. And this is something we talk about quite a bit with our community. But going back to kind of what you're saying with the shiny objects and things, there is no shortage. And, you know, I fall prey to them as well. Everyone does. And especially as entrepreneurs and small business owners, we tend to be a little bit creative, at least in our thinking. We've always coming up with ideas or different ways to do things. So uh, going on an idea hiatus has proved immensely successful for um, a number of our clients. And in fact, my business partner, uh, this is something that I implemented for her a few years ago. And I said, you just cannot do anything else. And what that looks like is you are focused on only the three, you know, goals that you have for that quarter, and that's it. And if there's another idea that comes up, that's great. You're going to put it on, you know, a sticky note or in a document or write it down in your notebook or whatever, and you can come back to it later. But for a period of time, whether it's a month or, you know, a whole quarter or six months, whatever it is, you are not going to implement any new ideas. You're only going to work on optimizing what's in front of you and what's already working, but you can get to work a little bit better. Um, and I think that is a great, it's worked a lot. And I think part of it is it helps to sort of strengthen that focus muscle that tends to fall by the wayside all too easily. 
One of the things I think a lot of uh, companies, service-based companies, struggle with um, is writing proposals. People get asked, well, can you write me a proposal? What will this cost? Just say, send me a proposal. In, in, in most ways, it's a, it's a polite way of people saying I'm not interested, but they don't want to say it. But So whether, whether it's figuring out who those people are or if you're if you got a legitimately popular business and you're just getting asked for tons of proposals, how do you get out of how do you get out of the proposal business and into the money making business? Well, I think the reality is there's a couple things, two things here that are standing out. You've got to do a better job pre-screening so that you know the people that are asking for the proposals are the right people and they're actually you know a legit ideal client when, you know, they're, they're working there. So one way to do that before you, you know, either get on the phone to talk with someone or, you know, even um, entertain a much longer sort of email conversation back and forth is uh, have some kind of intake form. And the, the more detailed you can get in that, um, the better. And some people won't fill it out, and that's fine. Then they're not going to be a good, good fit. Uh, it doesn't have to be, you know, you don't want it to be 25 you know, questions necessarily, but you want to make sure that you're asking, okay, what's your biggest pain point? What's your timeline? What's your deadline? Uh, what's your budget? And with the budget one, don't give them just a blank space to fill out. Give them some ranges uh, because if they're not going to um, fit into a range that is appropriate to what they're asking for, you can usually shut that down pretty quickly. Um, and I think if you have things that are a bit more uh, streamlined, so a particular service that you're always offering or a certain package, make sure you have a sales page on your website or something that is talking to it or, you know, a PDF that you can send them or something that is doing a lot of that heavy lifting up front so they truly understand what's included, you know, what's not included, you know, what kind of timelines they're looking at. And if it is something that you can put a base price on, put that price on it. And then if that all looks good, then when you get on the phone with them, you're basically just making sure that they're ready to go. And if they're ready to go, then you can, you know, get them to a proposal. Now, that said, there are times where there are going to be completely custom things based on the kind of work that you do. And I think how you get better at that is you really optimize your proposal writing process. I think when I first started, proposals were – I mean, I loved them because they usually ended up in money, but then I hated them because it was so draining to just get one written and out the door. It probably took me half a day. Now it takes us half an hour. Um, I think it's really important to use uh, some kind of software to help you uh, make that faster. The one that we use is called BidSketch. I don't know if you've ever used that. Um, and then the other one that we have been using a little bit, it's really, really new. It's called Dubsado. Um, and so we've been playing around with that a little bit. It's a very new uh, company, but what they have so far is pretty promising. But setting up all the things, so when you go in there, yeah, so when you go in there, all you have to do is update your situation, your recommended approach, uh, maybe tweak, you know, the scope of work, or, you know, you, a lot of these you can kind of pull over different pieces and, and drag and drop and figure out what you want, and then your proposal is done in like a half hour, and it looks really nice, and you're not wasting half a day. Well, awesome. Brittany, this has been a really fun interview. I really thank you for coming on the program. I'm sure people want to connect with you and learn more about you. What's a what's a good website and a way for them to connect with you? Yeah, you can find everything for what we do over at scoopindustries.com. Um, that has the, that's the hub of where we are. We have a lot of little spinoff sites, but that's the hub of where you can find everything um, related to our agency and related to our service business uh, mentorship stuff as well. So scoopindustries.com. You got it. 
Thanks. Thanks a lot, Brittany. Thanks for coming on the program. Thanks for having me. Hey, thank you, folks, for uh, tuning in this week. Thanks to the Dream Business Academy for sponsoring the show. Again, you get $100 off your registration using the coupon code podcast at checkout. Go to dreambizacademy.com, dreambizacademy.com. Thank you to my editors, assistants, everybody on my dream team that makes what I do so darn easy and enjoyable and makes me look smart. I'm your host, Jim Palmer, the Dream Business Coach. I am, as always, committed to helping you build a more profitable business faster. Thank you so much for listening. Stay tuned next week for another great show. Take care, everybody.